0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unbothered. Josh here to talk about Monday Night Football. Joe Burrow. Big win against the Rams. Eagles really beating down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then it it's time to talk about the Miami offense. Is this one of the best offenses ever? Is there a claim to that already? Then, through three weeks, I give you my top 10 NFL teams, I revealed that list to you. And then today, major NBA trade news that I'll get into. Damian Lillard has been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Big time, Dame and Giannis together. Then after that, I'm going to discuss some college football. Mel Tucker and Lou Holtz, a couple of coaches there, still talking. But let's first wind back to Monday night. Uh, before this game on my podcast on Monday, I said that the Bengals would just limp this one out, uh, eek this one, and they did. They won 19-16, to 16. but as I say, a win is a win. And it was a gutsy performance by Joe Burrow. He was, even though he was a lesser version of himself, you can tell there is some discomfort with the calf injury that he has. To me, he was still great, situationally great. Uh, not the Joe Burrow we're used to seeing, but this Joe Burrow is still, to me, a lot better than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he was great. The game plan was simple give it to Jamar Chase, uh, feed Jamar. Uh, Joe Burrow threw the ball nearly 50 times. Uh, 15 of those targets were to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, career high, 12 receptions. He had 141 yards. Uh, Even though he didn't find the end zone, he was great. Clearly their best wide receiver. Uh, T Higgins, again, he had eight targets, only two catches, quite a few drops. He wasn't great on the night. Um, But Joe Burrow, again. I thought was good. The numbers don't reflect it. 259 yards His one interception was just a great play uh, by the Los Angeles Rams, Um, you know, credit to, um, you know, I forget now who made the um, interception. I I believe it was a killer witherspoon who made it on Tyler Boyd. I thought Tyler Boyd had the catch. Um, but Witherspoon just thought for the ball. Uh, great play by him. Uh, but this was a game where nobody wanted to run the football. The Bengals tried a little bit. They had 23 rushing attempts for only 67 yards. Uh, but the you know key plan was crazy to me that I thought they were going to run the ball. But Joe Burrow on the calf said, hey, we're airing it out 49 times. So good for them. Um, Doing that, Joe Burrow only took two sacks. Wasn't under duress a lot. Uh, Effective quick passing to Jamar Chase was efficient. And the Rams, on the other hand, I thought could have ran the ball more. They only ran the ball 13 times, 71 yards. But that's five and a half yards per rush. Uh, Bengals were struggling defensively coming into this game. Uh and I thought the Rams could establish the run game, and they did it. Uh, They stuck with Matthew Stafford, uh, who didn't have a great night, 18 for 33, uh, threw two interceptions um, on the night, didn't look great, didn't look sharpest. Bengals' defense was fantastic. Uh, They sacked Matthew Stafford six times, constant pass rush, uh, the Los Angeles Rams were dealing with some injuries to the offensive line. Even during this game, a couple of them uh, going down. But great win by the Bengals. Uh, now, you know, going into this game Monday night, you know the Bengals are on the verge of going zero three. Uh, I didn't lose my faith in the Bengals. I didn't waver. Uh, some people in the media. You know, at 0-2, roped them off, said, hey, we're done. We're jumping off the ship. Even after this win, uh, more people are still jumping off. But I'm staying committed to the Bengals. Yes, they were my Super Bowl pick uh, to win it all. Does that mean that, you know, I have to ride with them forever? No, but I'm going to ride this thing out. I definitely am. Uh, Again, Bengals to me, have quite a few winnable games coming up. And uh, there was, I forget what sports show or doctor I was listening to, uh, but they said they don't think Joe Burrow's calf injury is that bad. They say if he doesn't get hit a lot regularly, then it can kind of heal up. So I look at their next three games is kind of crucial for him. And to me, they're all winnable games. They play at Tennessee uh, this week. Obviously, this one could be close. Uh, Titans' defense is good, even though uh, Deshaun Watson uh, really got them Ryan Tannehill's been bad. So Bengals can win a tough one on the road. Then they play the Cardinals. Should be a win for them. And then in Censi, they do play the Seahawks. I think that's another one uh, they can win. I don't think the Seahawks do not have a good – uh, pass rush, so that's three winnable games. If they can get to 4-2, and two, Joe Burrow stays healthy. Then after that, they have a bye week. So really, the next four weeks, if he can stay healthy, October 29th would be their next game uh, after this stretch here against a tough opponent and the San Francisco 49ers. Then we can say, breathe a sigh of relief. Hey, this team is 4-2. and two you are not out of it. Joe Burrow is getting healthier. We like this. And, again, if I think they're 4-2, and two, a lot of people will be jumping back on the Bengals, even though they will play two tough games. Again, I, I circled that because if they're 4-2 and healthy by then, they play at San Francisco, tough game, and then right after that they play the Bills. Um, and then, again, second half of their schedule is more hard. Playing those two teams uh Raven Steelers back to back, uh playing Steelers Chiefs Browns uh to finish off the season. But if again, this to me is a crucial stretch for the Bengals. I'm not giving up on them. I think they win the next three games, which would make it four in a row. They go four and two heading into the bye. Joe Burrow um will then get the most rest that he can get for rest of the season. And they look good and make a Super Bowl run. I'm not counting not uh, counting Joe Burrow and this team out. Next, Eagles expose the Bucks. Now, again, some people I was listening to were picking Tampa Bay at least to cover the spread. I believe Tampa Bay was five and a half point underdogs. Uh, I wasn't too thrilled about that. I said, "Give me Philly." they'll win by six-plus points. And they did. Uh, Dominated this game. Um, You know, was it a great performance by Jalen Hurts in this air attack? No, Jalen Hurts threw two interceptions. One was, you know, good defense. The other was awful Jalen Hurts' decision. But A.J. Brown back on track, 131 yards. In what I've been alluding to with the Eagles, very power-running team. This, to me, when I watch the Eagles, it's like watching the Michigan Wolverines um, for college football. This is my comp, and I think uh, I enjoy doing this, making comps for NFL and college teams, so I'll probably do a segment, not today, but in the future of my comps, but I'll give you a sneak peek of this one. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Michigan Wolverines are the same team. One plays college, one plays NFL. If you enjoy watching the Eagles, you would enjoy watching the Wolverines. And if you enjoy watching the Wolverines, you enjoy watching the Eagles because it's a power running football team. Uh, DeAndre Swift is now the workhorse. He looked great 16 carries, 130 yards. It is a team. They rushed for over 200 yards, 201 rushing yards, 40 attempts, you know, a week and a half ago against the. Vikings, we saw the same thing. They ran the ball around 43 times for 200 yards. Guess what? Same formula. They throw the ball 37 times for over 200 yards, 200-200. That is a Philadelphia winning style. Is it pretty? No. Is it ugly? I don't think so. I just think it's good quality football. They have a way that works. Again, Michigan's the same way. They're main running back, Blake Corum that they use. They have other ones, Donovan Edwards, like the Eagles do, um, Rashad Penny or a Boston Scott or a Kenneth Gainwell, but they got main feature one, a quarterback who is very good, uh, great, but not the best of the best like Jalen Hurts and Jalen McCarthy, and a great defense, uh, absolutely great. Uh, Eagles defense held the Bucks to 41 rushing yards. Um, this defensive line is great, not only in stopping or run, but getting after the passer. Uh, they were harassing Baker all night long, pressuring him, uh, forced two sacks, limited him to only 133 total passing yards um, on the night. So this Eagles defense, this Eagles team is really good. Uh, again, a lot of talk on the Eagles drop-off. And where they were a year ago compared to where they are now, Again, they're still winning football games. This uh, season is young. We're not even a quarter of a way done. We're only three games into it. Not even into October yet. So I'm not worried about the Eagles and where they stand. Uh, They keep putting performances like this up. Uh, They'll continue to silence whatever doubters are out there because this Eagles team is still really, really good. Next, I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins, particularly the Miami offense. So on Sunday, again, in case you didn't notice, most of the broadcast coverage was dedicated to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey for good reason. But the Dolphins did score a whopping 70 points on the Denver Broncos. They did have a chance to break the all-time points record by a team in a game. Uh, Which is held by, I believe, the Washington uh, football team uh, back in the day, 72 points. They were in Denver territory. They could have kicked the field goal and got 73. But Mike McDaniels showed kindness, extended mercy, and didn't kick the field goal and decided to knee it, even though he easily could have kicked the field goal and won this game. But this offense is really, really good. Through three games, It is one of, you know, it's already through three games the best statistically through three games, but so far it looks like one of the best offenses. Uh, I'm not ready to crown it the best offense ever. Uh, There's a couple offenses in the past I have seen, Um, you know, the 07 Patriots, Randy Moss, Tom Brady, uh, 50 touchdowns, you know, a ton of points, you know, it was, it was great. Um, they scored 589 points um, that year. Obviously, a really good team. But what happened to them? They lost in the Super Bowl to the New York Giants. So there's, you know, and they had a perfect season. So it's like, dang, what a great offensive season. You know, little asterisk there with the loss because of the Super Bowl loss due to that, you know, team. And where it finished, but it had a great offense. Same story with the Denver Broncos. So the Denver Broncos uh, scored, again, past the uh, Patriots record, 589 points. 2013, that was the year Peyton Manning came in. They had Demarius Thomas, uh, Julius Thomas, uh, Wes Welker, uh, Eric Diker. They scored 606 points that year. Peyton Manning threw for a record 5,400 yards and 55 touchdowns. Uh, They topped 40 points six times, 53 times. Um, I mean, they were just phenomenal uh, that year. So to me, those are the two best offenses I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, This Miami team is really good. Do they are they on pace to break those records? Yes. But again, same thing like that Denver offense didn't win the Super Bowl was stopped by Seahawks and their legion of boom. So their kind of great offense took a turn for the worse because we remember the legion of boom defense for Seattle more than that great offense. We remember the Patriots' offense more because, again, they went 16-0. and Do I think the Dolphins are going to go 16-0? Do I think they'll win the Super Bowl? No. So whatever offensive records they may or may not get, again, 10 years from now, we might not remember it uh, greatly, but I do think this offense has a chance to be special because of the speed that they have. Um, you know, the Patriots and Broncos to me were similar, two elite, greatest quarterbacks that ever played. Uh, one of the greatest receivers in uh, Randy Moss with Tom. Uh, Again, with Wes Welker, Wes Welker was in on the 2013 Broncos team. Again, same thing. They just had so much offensive talent, a great offensive line, that everything clicked for this team. Uh, Whereas the Miami team, they don't have the greatest quarterback in the game. Uh, To some, he's not even a top 10 uh, quarterback. But what is this offense built on? Speed. Raheem Mostert, one of the fastest players in the NFL. Tyreek Kill, Jalen Waddle, the two fastest wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, they are built on speed to get, you know, over the top of you, and they're also built to hey, throw the ball short of you, and they'll dust you because they are that much faster than you. So they have all these speed guys on offense. And Mike McDaniel again is a, I think, a great offensive-minded coach, uh, who's great at calling plays, and it is working. For this Miami Dolphins team. So is it the best offense over? No. Not yet. But I definitely like watching this Dolphins team. Uh, It is fun. It's a fun watch. Now. Let's get to my top 10 teams. In the NFL. Starting with number 10. Number 10 is the Cleveland Browns. So offensively. I believe there is still much to be desired with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deshaun Watson had this best game, I think, as a Brown this past week. Even though there were some questionable throws still, uh, dominated. But the defense is the real key here. This is the number one defense in the NFL in both yards and in scoring allowing below 200 yards per game, 163.7. The next closest is the Buffalo Bills, and they're 90 yards away from that mark. And again, Cleveland's averaging uh, their opponents to 10 points a game. This defense is really good. Miles Garrett is really good. Now, if the offense can... I'm not saying they need to be the number one offense to match the number one defense, uh, but if this offense can... Just do a little better with Deshaun Watson. Uh, Crack the top ten. We have ourselves something. A scary team right there. Number nine, the Green Bay Packers. I do like the Green Bay Packers. Uh, You're not top ten in defense, you know, middle of a pack. And same offensively, not great middle of a pack. But what I see is a younger, healthy I shouldn't say healthy, getting healthy, but a hunger, a hungry, youthful, resilient team. Youngest roster in the NFL, uh, dealing with injuries to Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, Batiari, some of their biggest stars, yet they're two and one. Uh, great comeback win against the Saints, again, showing resiliency. They're two and one when people like myself tried to bury them before the season and say, hey, uh, really not their year. Uh, They are proving a lot of people wrong and have a pivotal game tomorrow night against the Lions. The Packers, to me, have been a great story. Number eight, the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, they're number eight, um, because again, they have a ton of youth. Now, offensively, I think they're trying to find their form, uh, with, you know, newcomer Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, sometimes we see a sophomore slump uh, from players. So, to me, Kenneth Walker is good. Not as great as he was last year when he burst onto the scene, Uh, but you still have D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, good wide receivers. This is a formidable football team. Defensively, they do leave a lot to be desired. Bottom five defense, uh, Pete Carroll being a defensive guy, if they can turn that around. and help it out, uh, help out that offense, this could be a team that maybe can threaten the Niners for a division. But right there, I'm not even close to saying that. Number seven, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you might be thinking, Josh, you might be the only person to have the Kansas City Chiefs ranked at seven. You're probably right. And I, they probably deserve it, too. But so many people are right now enamored with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not. Yes, did they just be a terrible Bears team? Yes, they did. Give them credit for doing what they should have against the Chicago Bears. This offense is really good. Top five offense, they're back on track. Defense is top ten, so having uh, both those metrics, it's really high. Uh... For them, however, I don't love their uh, wide receivers. Yes, Mahomes completed a lot of passes to a lot of different wide receivers this weekend. But I just don't love that skill position on this team. Um, And I think they still have another level to reach this season. Number six, the Detroit Lions. You also might be thinking, are you kidding me? You're going to put the Lions at number... Six ahead of the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs Lions lost to the Seahawks. But beat the Chiefs, how does that all work? Well, yes, I beat the Chiefs. That is, to me, the best win of the season for my team. Yes, the Cardinals did beat the Cowboys. Massive upset. But I beat the Chiefs. So, yes, I am holding that until I lose again and don't have that tiebreak. Because the Detroit Lions are still a top ten Offense in the NFL playing really well. Uh, defense has been solid, uh, you know, just outside the top 10 here. Aiden Hutchinson, defensive player of the week, uh, had the one lapse against Seattle. Hopefully, that was just a blip for the season. And this Detroit defense keeps improving and plays really well. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people still. Hating the Bills, doubting the Bills and Josh Allen. Uh, I'm still a fan. Top 10 offense, Josh Allen is also playing uh, spectacular football. Um, Yes, he's thrown uh, some interceptions. Again, three of those of his four were against the. um, What team is that? The Jets opening week of the season. So can we forget that? He's third in completion percentage. He's got a 90 uh, passer rating, a QBR, of 70. He's playing really good football. I mean, come on, let's let's cut the guy some slack. Let's give him a break. His team is good. Um, his defense is well, is also really good second uh, in defense so far of his season and yards. And in points, I believe they're a really good team, and they do match up with the Dolphins this weekend. Number four, the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, they did suffer a terrible loss to the Arizona Cardinals. There is no getting around that. It dropped their number one defense all the way down to number four in yards and three in points. So it did drop, but defensively, I'm still looking to see how they recover this season without Trevon Diggs. I don't think that is demoralizing for them on offense. I, you know, still leaves more to be desired. Dak Prescott not making the ill timed interceptions and misthrows, throws, miscues, um, in really getting more offensive output from this unit as a whole is something I'm looking for. Number three Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, top 10 offense um, that is playing really, really good uh, in both running the football. And passing the football, very efficient. Uh, they're averaging 185 yards rushing. They were number one until Miami's 350-yard explosion this past week. They're scoring 28 points per game, uh, which is very acceptable in today's NFL. So great offense. Defense just behind the lines. Again, number one rushing defense. Um, passing a little better after playing a weak quarterback in Baker. But this is a good team with players all over, uh, offense and defense, that can make plays. Number two, Miami Dolphins. Uh, I believe this is the highest Miami Dolphins have ever been ranked in the history of my top 10. But here we are, number one offensive team in the leagues, averaging 43 points a game. Uh, Do I think they'll finish with that? No, that would be absolutely bananas. Uh, But here they are. They are one of two teams that have uh, passed for over a thousand yards this season, uh, Miami and Minnesota. And then they are also at the number one rushing team with 188 um, yards per game, averaging total offense, 550 yards of offense so far this year, uh, 130 more than the second best Los Angeles Chargers. This team, it's really Really good offensively. And then uh, you look at defensively. uh, Just, you know, middle of the pack. Defensive team. Um, Not great. uh, But still, I believe they can be better. They will be getting Jalen Ramsey back. We'll see if that addition uh, proves beneficial for them. But I can't put them at one. Number one is reserved for the San Francisco 49ers. They deserve. To stay at one why, because we did get a matchup last year with the Chiefs, or the 49ers, and the Dolphins, and the Dolphins lost that game. And I feel like even though this Dolphins team is better, and I think this Niners team is better too, if these two teams were to play, come on, uh, this defense couldn't stop Miami, get to Tua, make him look pedestrian, they're not the Broncos. San Francisco's offense has been outstanding, 30 points per game, uh, fourth in total offense, and then defensively, number three. So if they're the only team in the NFL with a top-five offense and a top-five defense, that warrants being the number one team on my list. So there you have it. That's my top ten. Browns, Packers, Seahawks, Chiefs, Lions, Bills, Demboys, Eagles, Dolphins, and Niners. Now, let's talk about some NBA, and in particular the big blockbuster trade that went down today, and I'm still sort of shocked by it. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, wow! Uh, you know, CJ McCollum talking about it, uh, Josh Hart, you know, Miami, uh, Jimmy Butler. Saying that they need to look into tampering. I mean, it is insane. So, the full trade details are the Milwaukee Bucks receive Damian uh, Lillard, the Blazers receive Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Tamani Kamara, a 2029 first round pick, and two pick swaps. The Suns receive Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So, again, that to me is as big of a blockbuster as you get. I mean, wow. Wow, 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 Uh, All this talk about joining Miami. And forming a team there with the Heat, uh, he gets traded to the Bucks, and what I think is a better situation for him. Yes, there's all this talk about going to the Heat, but he talked uh, multiple times on a podcast, on Twitter, mentioned hey the one player he'd like to play with and win a championship with it was Giannis. Giannis also mentioned Dame as a player he would like to play with as well in a I believe a podcast. So I believe this is a great fit. For the Blazers. I believe it's a great, or my bad, for the Bucks Because now they have an elite offensive talent to pair with Giannis. I believe Giannis is elite offensively and defensively the best two-way player in the game. Even though I think Jokic is better all around offensively. Two-way goes to Giannis. So now you have Lillard joining the uh, Bucks. And to me, it's great because the Bucks were a very defensive-minded team that could get cold with stretches with Drew uh, Holiday there. But here, to me, they have real offensive firepower and still some depth to this team. And to me, it very closely mirrors uh, the Nuggets. My early pick now is the Bucks and six over the Denver Nuggets. Because, again, I talked about the Nuggets a lot last year on their postseason run. And what made them so special was their two best players were a guard and a big man. And they would play a lot together off ball, slipping, uh, slipping through, uh, passes to each other, switches for one another. And it's hard for a guard to then, uh, you know, guard a big man and a big man to then guard a guard. So that switch off would hurt teams. Uh, put them in unfavorable advantages, and it worked to Denver's way. So now they can do follow a similar formula with Dame and Giannis and play a lot of one-two game. Dame and Giannis, like the Nuggets do with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. So they have one of the elite point guards, one of you know to me the second best shooting point guard of all time behind Steph Curry. You've got Malik Beasley at the two, Chris Middleton. I believe another year back from his knee injury will help him. I think he'll return to form, kind of like how we saw Clay Thompson. took a while to return to form. This would be the same timeline as him. I still think he can be a great player. Then you have Giannis and Brooks Lopez at the center, and they still have depth. Um, They've got Pat Connaughton, um, who's a reliable player for this team, Uh, Jay Crowder, and Bobby Portis. So to me, they can really go um, eight deep on this team, which when you think about it, come playoff time, that's really all you'll go. So it is just a great, I think, move for the Bucks. As an NBA fan, I'm happy to see him get out of Portland, join a contender. Uh, This is great. Uh, When I think about the Blazers now, it looks like they're going to move Drew Holiday. Um, uh, So we'll see where he goes. There's been talks of, you know, the Clippers or the Heat. I think those would be great fits for him because I still think he is a great, solid two-way point guard, uh, the best two-way point guard in the game. and get DeAndre Aiden. We'll see if they can find a different formula for him, and then they get the first-round pick in two-pick spots. So the Suns get Nurkic, new center. Aiden is gone. Uh, more, to me, kind of similar offensive upside uh Nurkic to me less defensively, um Grayson Allen for some depth um as well. But the Suns are looking at, you know, Bradley Beal up a one, Devin Booker up a two, Okogee up a three, Kevin Durant up a four, and Nurkic up a five. So it's great. But with this trade that they're taking on, they're hundred and ninety eight point eight million dollars in total cap, which is you know, they have negative 62 million in cap space, and they're over that second apron, which is around 188, so it's likely that they're not going to get under it, which it would hurt them. And then the Bucks are right there as well, um, 187 million. So, little better, uh, six and a half million over the second apron, but it's more manageable for them to get under it than the 20 million that the Suns are, if they need to, for whatever reason. But, again, Big, big blockbuster trade. I believe the Bucks fully won this. I believe the Blazers got a good compensation. I believe they can trade Drew to one of uh, those two teams I mentioned, get some more assets from them, uh, and can turn this around in you know, three, four years down the road. Maybe the Blazers can be a contender. And then the Suns facilitating this trade. To me doesn't make a ton of sense because the Bucks are a team you could see in the finals. So I don't get them facilitating the trade. Um, so it, to me that is an interesting point there that they do that. But it clear it's clear to me that the team front office was just, you know, not on DeAndre Eden, not in as good races. So the team um, has really flipped around in a completely, totally different team. Then was playing the Bucks in the finals a couple of years ago, Devin Booker, the only holdover left on the roster. Next, let's move on to some college football briefly before we wrap this up. So the first is Mel Tucker officially getting fired for cause uh, for, I don't know if I have the official reason, it was pretty funny. All right, there we go. So the official statement from... Michigan State is that it has terminated Tucker's contract for his admitted and undisputed behaviors, which have brought public disrespect, public disrespect, contempt and ridicule upon the university. It constitute a material breach of his agreement and moral turpitude. That is funny. Well, you hired a man. Uh, and to me, I feel bad for Michigan State because they are just—they've really been spiraling. Uh, Ever since the Larry Nassar incident, Uh, there really was origin of this at Michigan State. And then you have allegations against Tom Izzo, Mark D'Antonio got fired. Now the Mel Tucker incident got fired. So there's just a black cloud against Michigan State. Of course, being a Michigan fan, uh, I'm totally fine seeing their sports programs in total disarray and going down the tubes. But again, very really, I do feel sorry for uh, the people that are affected by those at Michigan State. Heart goes out to them. Um, But if my advice to any young student athlete, especially women, don't go to Michigan State. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. Don't go to Michigan State. Go anywhere but there. Lastly, Lou Holtz, again, uh, brought this up on Monday, but Ryan Day went at Lou Holtz uh, in his post-game press conference. Lou Holtz decided to fire back today, or yesterday, and I love it. He said, I don't feel bad about saying it because I believed it. Notre Dame was a better football team. Uh, Three times Ohio State had fourth and one Raymond Ball and couldn't make it. If I was coaching, I would have said it. I would have went to our team and said, I think you're better. I think you're more physical. I think you're more uh, talented. He did go on to apologize to Coach Freeman for kind of making those remarks and putting maybe an unfair spotlight on them. Um, And I respect Lou Holtz for doing that. But then he said, again, Lou Holtz, Ryan Day doesn't want to talk about Michigan 0-2 he doesn't want to talk about the big games coming up against Penn State and Mich- against Michigan again. He's a great coach. He's done a tremendous job. He's a great offensive mind. Ohio State's a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. He can go after me all he wants. I love those comments for Lou Holtz. I'm fired up uh, just reading those because I completely agree uh, with him. I do believe Notre Dame was a better team uh got, to me, the benefit because Notre Dame didn't have their 11th man, their fourth member of the defensive line out there the final two plays. I believe would have changed the perspective because, again, they did try the fourth and one and couldn't make it multiple times. So I believe, again, Ohio State will be in uh, for a rude awakening when they do play Penn State. It looks like a really good football team. And Michigan, who has the best defense in the country, and you will be playing that team in the big house. Ryan Day is not winning that matchup this year. I'm sorry. He's on a two-game losing streak, about to be in a three-game losing streak. And guess what? Day's one and two against Michigan. He only beat him his first year, 56-27. to Uh... And then the COVID year, he said that, you know, the game didn't get played. But he said, you know, we'll hang 100 on them. So there you go. Uh, Ryan Day can put that in his pipe smoke it. Because guess what? Michigan's coming. We're coming. And it's going to be obliteration. I believe it's November 25th. But Buckeyes stand no chance. I'm not bothered. But this is unbothered. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye, everybody.